0: My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Today we have a special guest on the podcast, my cousin Lauren. She's been out of college for a few years now, but she was nice enough to talk in detail about a topic that many of you might find interesting, Greek life and what it was like to be in a sorority. By Greek life, I'm not talking about time spent in Greece. (laughs) I'm talking about involvement in fraternities and sororities. For those of you who are unfamiliar with these terms, Fraternities and sororities, according to Wikipedia, are Greek letter organizations or social organizations at colleges and universities. And there's a history behind them that I'll get to in a little bit. Fraternities are the brotherhoods and sororities are the sisterhoods. At any given time, there are around 800,000 members in Greek life in the US. At my university alone, uh, UC Santa Barbara, members made up 11% of the student body. That's about 2,500 people. Many famous Americans you may know were part of frats and sororities. Just to name a few, Michael Jordan, Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Garner, Matthew McConaughey, Alicia Keys, Kate Spade, Lucy Liu, David Schwimmer, you know, Ross from Friends, (laughs) Jim Parsons, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Uh, there are surprisingly a lot of country musicians who were also in uh, fraternities and sororities. Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney, Zach Brown, Tim McGraw, Sheryl Crow, um, and Meghan Markle was even in a sorority. What's a little bit surprising to me is that a very high number of leaders in politics in the US were Greek. For example, Martin Luther King Jr., the very famous civil rights activist. Condoleezza Rice, the United States' former Secretary of State. According to some stats from the Center for the Study of College Fraternity, 85% of the U.S. Supreme Court justices since 1910 were from frats, 76% of U.S. Senators, 85% of Fortune 500 executives. Not to mention, the U.S. has had 19 ex-presidents who came from fraternities, Since 1877. That's 73% of our presidents since 1877. Of course, that brings about the question does the Greek system attract people who have more successful leadership traits, or is it easier for some of former Greek members to get better jobs? Uh, Lauren does a great job at shedding light on this topic. Before we get to that, though, I'd like to give a little bit more background to the origins of fraternities and sororities. In the United States, the very first fraternity was called Phi Beta Kappa, and it was founded in 1776. Shortly after, so in the early 1800s, fraternities were popping up on the East Coast, and the purpose was mainly scholarly. Uh, Frats would throw dinner parties and literary meetings. To which their brothers would be invited. Each frat at that time was sort of like a secret society in nature, right? They had specific rituals that they conducted. They had specific traditions that only members could be in on, and they used symbols, right? The Greek letter symbols and more symbols to indicate who they were as a frat. By 1845, the first frat house was formed at Cornell University. And shortly afterwards, in 1851 there was the creation of the first sorority, right, of the first sisterhood, Alpha Delta Pi. Over the past 200 years, the nature of frats and sororities have changed a lot. You'll hear Lauren say that all sororities have different vibes, even some of the sororities that have the same name but are on different campuses. Some are very highly focused on education, some on business opportunities. There are some religious fraternities and sororities and other multicultural ones. However, there are some common threads among them. One of them is secrecy. So a lot of the events and traditions and rituals uh, remain secret. The second thing is single-sex membership, and I'm sure this is changing a little bit. Number three, there's a process for people to join, which is called rush, which Lauren will talk about in detail, and of course, an initiation to become part of the frat or sorority after being accepted. Uh, Of course, you may have heard the negative sides of that with hazing, but of course, that does not exist at every single frat or sorority, and it's very highly discouraged across the United States. Number four, ownership of a house or a residency, so as the fraternities and sororities grew over time, the houses did as well, I highly encourage you to all click on a link that I'll provide within the episode notes for this podcast just so that you can see some of the mansions where sorority sisters and fraternity brothers live within the U.S. And I mean mansions. One of them was listed as $13 million. Um, And the last thing is, of course, symbols. To wrap this up, there are fraternities and sororities in other places in the world. It's not something that I can talk about or Lauren can talk about because we are not familiar with them. And now let's come to Lauren. Uh, She was a little bit hesitant to talk to me about this particular topic for a variety of reasons. She'll mention within the episode, but I'm so glad that she gave in. In the episode, she shares some of the very common stereotypes that you may be familiar with from American films, but also some of the very positive takeaways from her involvement within a sorority. So let's welcome Lauren. Hi, everyone. Today, I am here with my cousin, Lauren Lambertson, and we're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of my students have asked me about which is sororities and fraternities. Uh, but mostly we'll be talking about sororities because Lauren was, in the past, part of a sorority. So, hi, Lauren. Hi. Yeah.
1: Happy to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> to have you here. So can you actually tell me a little bit about what the Greek system is or what a sorority is?
1: Sorry, that's yes. a heavy question. Oh, all good. Um, So, yeah, the Greek system consists of various sororities and houses that all have different Greek letters. A few of them, Chi Omega, Alpha Phi, Alpha Chi Omega, Delta Gamma. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard some of these names before, but those are all sororities that are within the Greek system. There are fraternities too, which are the brotherhoods or for males, and sororities are for females. And so each college campus has a Greek system, most of them do, and different combinations of houses for sororities and fraternities. Normally, do people start
0: sororities when they first go to college?
1: Yeah, there is a website or a a portion of each college's website where a student would have the opportunity to sign up for what they call Rush. And so that's the process of looking at each house and meeting people and kind of selecting which which sorority or fraternity you're interested in. It's kind of a mutual selection process. But yeah, I'd say a lot of people who I knew uh, were interested in joining Greek life because their parents or family members were part of a sorority or fraternity. And so they knew that they wanted to go through this process right when they began college. Mm-hmm. And I actually I did not do it right away. Um, I did it in my second year of college, which mm-hmm. is possible. You can you can kind of join or rush whenever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, why did you join a sorority? Yeah, I, I thought that it wouldn't be something I would be interested in at first because it wasn't mm-hmm. part of my family. And my dad wasn't supportive of it at first, actually, because really? it's a financial investment, too. You have to pay a certain amount each quarter to be a part of organization. And with those dues that you're paying, you get to be a part of activities. There's occasional like items and sweatshirts and shirts and certain things that come with what you're paying. And there will be meals and mm-hmm. dinners and, and things that come with your dues. But my dad just was kind of against that and didn't feel like it was necessary for a great college experience. And so I was really glad that I went through my first year mm-hmm. of college without it. But ultimately, I decided to go through with it because I just, I wanted to meet more people. And I'm glad that I did. It ended up being successful Mm -hmm. overall. So what exactly did you do in your sorority? Each house has an executive board. They just call it exec. And within that group is a president, a vice president, secretary, treasurer. There's a a personnel chair who's kind of the the therapist of the... (laughs) executive board who can kind of handle sensitive issues or just be there for anyone in the house to speak to about personal issues. And then um social chair and then a recruitment chair. And within my house, you didn't run for these positions. You got slated or nominated. And so we went through that process and I ended up being nominated as the recruitment chair. That meant that I was in charge of planning that whole rush process that I described mm-hmm. earlier where you're Setting up three days worth of events for the pledges, the new, actually, the, the, what are they called? Couldn't tell you. There's, there's a specific name for people who are wanting to join. So
0: you mentioned Rush is a three day process. What is Rush? So that's when you try and become
1: part of yes. a sorority, right? Yeah. So the first day, you know, everyone who signed up to go through this process and interested in joining Greek life. We'll kind of assemble in an auditorium or a central spot on campus, and then we'll be assigned, you know, times to go visit each of the houses mm-hmm. and get to know people and kind of feel it out. And then at the very end of each day, there's a, a process where each each individual writes down which houses they're interested in. And then the houses also mm-hmm. look through the list of people who visited and kind of figure out who they think would be a good fit as well. Um, and so the next day of rush, you will see your new lineup and a mm-hmm. schedule for which houses you're going to visit. Each day is a little bit different too. I think the first one is just kind of introductions. The second day focuses on each house's philanthropy, which is another big aspect of Greek life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think the last day is a dinner or um, it's kind of just like an, an evening event where you're really kind of getting an intimate glimpse of the final two houses that you're interested in. And then you ultimately select which one you're interested in. And the final day is called bid day, where you are, you're given a, a little envelope with the house that has mutually chosen you back. And it's exciting and it ends up being a little party at the house and welcome event. Mm-hmm. You meet every, you know, your sisters. And yeah,
0: actually, I'm curious to know,
1: do you, do you feel like the people that were in your house were very similar to you? I don't with mine. Um I actually feel like mine was pretty eclectic. There were certain traits that I felt like were aligned, which is how we all ended up there. I think everyone was pretty down to earth, not very superficial, mm-hmm. um and interested in kind of that career growth and making connections in that way. So it was it was positive in that way, but other mm-hmm. houses there were more common threads that were maybe a little more noticeable like Stereotypical similarities, I guess. Okay. Like yeah. what would those be?
0: I, I just remember I actually rushed my first year of college actually. And I remember going to some of the sororities. Some of them were really cool, like you were saying. I'm assume that the sororities that I visited that I liked yeah. <laughs> were similar to yours. But a few of them I walked up to the front door and I remember the door opening and a bunch of girls standing in a line in high heels in the same outfit and singing to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember being incredibly frightened, like, what in the world is going on? Where where am I? What am
1: I doing? (laughs) And I would say that is kind of the stereotype for sororities Mm -hmm. in particular is that You, you know, everyone dresses the same and it's expensive. Like you Mm -hmm. have to buy certain clothes or look a certain way. And when it comes to rush, there is singing and dancing and it's, it's almost a little scary, but, um, (laughs) but there were, there was definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, a bit of that within my college. But the house that I ended up choosing was definitely less superficial. I guess that's just the one I keep coming back to.
0: But that's great. I mean, um, you mentioned before also philanthropies and that your
1: sorority was doing something really great for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yes. What is that? Yes. So that was our, it's our national philanthropy. So there, um, my house was Chi Omega. And so there are Chi Omega houses at many colleges in the United States. And each. Each house is also associated with Make-A-Wish Foundation. So it's a nas- Omega is a national organization, mm-hmm. and so is Make-A-Wish. And so we would have events. Ours happened to be a, a casino night. Mm-hmm. People would buy tickets and buy chips and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And all of the money raised would end up going towards Make-A-Wish. And Make-A-Wish, in turn, would allow us to throw wish parties for children who have illnesses. And so I remember we had one little boy who wanted desperately to meet the mm-hmm. the firefighters in our town. And so they brought the fire truck out mm-hmm. and we had a little park day and he was just so excited and happy to, to hang out with them. And another little boy wanted to go to Disneyland. And so we were able to fund that trip. And so it was really cool to see mm-hmm. those kinds of experiences and yeah. just be a part of them.
0: I think that that's one thing that people don't really focus on, especially in the movies. I mean, when I watch any sort of movie that's in college, and they show frat life or sorority life, they always focus on the heavy drinking and partying and, you know, insanity that's within a house's, I guess, party culture, which, of course, is not every house, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So but the philanthropic side of it of just helping different organizations and groups of
1: people out there, I think is some really positive aspect that probably should get a little bit more light. I know it is interesting to think about because and I think, make a wish, and our philanthropy was pretty stand out within the college. So mm-hmm. it was everyone could have maybe known that that was our philanthropy, but there were other houses who were known more known for other things like the partying. And mm-hmm. so I think it really does sort of just depend on what each person mm-hmm. is looking for when they're wanting to join a house and right,
0: and so you. You feel like that was really helpful in a way for your career and for, I mean, just development of
1: skills like leadership and... yes So with the recruitment chair and that role that I had, I really had to conduct two, three weeks of workshops, which meant, you know, mandatory times that the members, there were I think 200 at the mm -hmm. time, would have to join to just kind of talk about the logistics of the rush process and however mm -hmm. many days. And I had to also educate myself on how it worked because there is a process of each member of the sorority talking to a new, a potential new member. That's what they're mm. called. Mm-hmm. Um, PNM. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not easy to remember. remember that. <laughs> PNM. Yeah. Um, and so you would have to, as a member of the house kind of like evaluate if you thought this person was a good fit and cause it's not like everybody can meet everybody. Right. And so there was kind of a process there and conducting that process was really good experience. And I spoke mm-hmm. to it when I interviewed for jobs just being able to kind of use those facts and numbers of three weeks, 200 people, organizing events, all of that stuff is very relevant with career stuff. And so I was grateful for that for sure. And then within the executive board, like the president and the secretary, all those ladies are actually still decent friends of mine, just because you get close with the the fellow leadership folks Mm -hmm. and kind of deal with you know, some real world experiences, which I liked a lot. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that.
0: Actually, with the networking, do the sororities have, I mean, LinkedIn accounts together? Or how do they connect with each other after
1: college yeah. is over? So we do we have. Um, so each house that each college is called a chapter. And I should have said that earlier. I'm just remembering a lot of these terms. But our chapter at Cal Poly was called Omicron Mu. And they're all based on Greek letters as well. And so within Facebook, for example, we have like an Omicron Mu Chi Omega chapter mm-hmm. group where we can kind of network and post about job opportunities or even apartments. Oh, if, wow. You know, and so it's it's a way to stay connected with with a group who has a common bond. And then there are national groups, too, like every Chi Omega within every school.
0: Right. So say, for example, you wanted to move to New York City mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Would you be able to have, a I don't know, a leg up? by, Um,
1: you know, having been part of a sorority? Yeah, it depends. I mean, some people, you know, place more value on it in their life, I think, than others. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely would consider looking up if there was kind of an organization or like a Facebook group in New York. It's an easy way to connect with people and people are speak about shared experiences. But I will say that I think every house and chapter in college has a different vibe and experience. So it's like, you you can't because it's also so huge. It's not like every person I meet is going to be kind of like minded. Exactly. But it's it's still a cool school mm. way to connect. And yeah, and I don't know about a leg up. I mean, maybe in a job interview, someone would place high value on it. And if Mm -hmm. I mentioned it, right? Yeah, I guess it's depends entirely on the person. I,
0: I think that's something I, you know, I think it's hard sometimes when talking about Greek life, to not have judgment. And I mean, mm-hmm. think with a lot of things in life, you know, we just place judgments because it's what we're used to or it's what's mainstream, you know, mainstream. But I mean, people are different everywhere in the world and people are different in every association, and every organization. Like yeah. there's you'll never come across the same person. You can have friends anywhere, everywhere. Right. Totally. find like minded people. So yep. but anyway, uh is there anything else that you would like to share about Greek life, or, you know, any memorable experiences, maybe some social event that you attended, perhaps that was,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I would encourage people if, if it's of interest to try it out. Like I said, I really was hesitant because of all the stereotypes. I just didn't imagine myself being involved with something like this, because mm-hmm. I did meet some good friends in the dorms. And I liked everyone who was in my college major. I felt like I had a decent amount of connections, but observing other people having a good time with it inspired me to want to check it out. And so Mm -hmm. I do recommend going through the process and you never know who you could really, really connect with. I mean, I've heard such positive stories about people meeting someone during rush who ends up being, you know, a lifelong friend. And actually it's worth mentioning that within each house, they have Big and little sisters. That's that's another kind of tradition within Greek life. Mm -hmm. So when you join, you meet a lot of the girls who are already in the house, and one of them Mm -hmm. becomes your big sister, who kind of guides you and and is your go to person. And then after you're there for a year, you end up choosing a little. And my little sister, who's so sweet, I I love her a lot. I'm actually going to be the maid of honor in her wedding. Oh, really? This year? Wow! And so you kind of maintain contact. Yeah, and it's funny because. I mean, after college is over, I almost forget that that's what brought us together, Mm -hmm. but it really did. And it's a special friendship. um, And there is, you know, so much that happens beyond the the sorority house and Mm -hmm. the the events there. But yeah, so... But I
0: mean, I think a lot of great events, fun events kind of foster closer relationships Mm -hmm. between people. I mean, if you're on the beach all day playing volleyball, for example, and, you know, it's more memorable almost yeah. because it's something that's not in your standard everyday life i don't know playing a game with someone or doing something entirely different going on a
1: hike totally. having a barbecue and even yeah. doing that Russian recruitment process which is long and kind of strenuous mm. that was when i feel like the morale was the most high afterwards because you'd spent three weeks training spending st- days of your summer with these mm-hmm. people and and you're really not necessarily going to connect with everybody. It's like you said, every group is different, but Mm -hmm. you're, you're always bound to find at least one person who really is similar. And so you get extra close to those people.
0: And that's Um, great that you are able to be part of a wedding. I mean, that's, that's important day in someone's life. It's really (laughs) funny.
1: Yeah. It's going to be special and and there will be a few more people who were connected Mm -hmm. through that way. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I really do think it's it's a cool thing, cool tradition. Yeah, I do too. There is one
0: thing that you mentioned, and um, this might be the last thing on this episode. But you mentioned a house. The ho- the word house has come up a lot. Right. Do do all people who join a
1: sorority or a fraternity join the house? Do they live in the house? Yeah, um, no. So every chapter does have a house, like a home base. Like a physical location, yes. right? So And mm-hmm. um, like Omicron Mu, for example, we did have a house in San Luis Obispo, but mm-hmm. it was super small. It had three bedrooms. And so the president lived there oh, okay. and then other girls who were interested in it could sign up to be living in the house. But most people obviously did not. Other houses at different campuses, particularly on the East Coast or in the South, have really giant mansions. That's probably what you may have seen in movies where most of the members do live in the house or it's even required mm-hmm. for one year. And I can't speak to those experiences. Those are honestly the more traditional Greek life experiences, but I understand there's, there are chefs in the house who kind of cook, cook for everybody. There's a house mother who kind of like keeps everybody. I don't know, sane and sane like, and like <laughs> therapist also. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep um, things in order. So, because I, I did visit other colleges where I've walked into those kind of homes and I'm like, wow, this would be a much more, like, much more a part of my college experience if I lived in the house. Because mm-hmm. I always had a very separate world from mm-hmm. my organization. I see. Um so yeah, yeah, there are houses. There are always houses.
0: Yeah, I remember actually entering a few in Santa Barbara. I had some friends and sororities mm-hmm. and walking in with, you know, a mar- marble floors and a fountain in the middle yeah. and a maid walking around polishing the floor and going like, wait, what? What is this? And then totally. just tons of, I mean, just all of the rooms. It was just a massive amount of of girls living in one very extravagant place. Yes. Um, So I remember there were quite a few like that in Santa Barbara too. Yeah, they were
1: were definitely bigger in Santa Barbara and I had friends who lived in them as well. Yeah. Um, And I think it ends up being maybe more affordable than living
0: elsewhere. Yeah, I can imagine. That's kind of another
1: reason why some people did it. It's like an extension of the dorms to live in a house like that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Got to be able to be around that Uh, much estrogen. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah but very cool. I can't really think of anything else that I'd like to ask right now. I mean, you had a positive experience. You thought it developed your leadership skills, people skills. I mean, helped you get a job. You had the philanthropy that you helped work out. You worked for the executive board. You did a lot of things. It sounds like you were very involved.
1: And at the end
0: of the day, it was worth it.
1: Yes. Yes. Highly recommend checking it out. You know, college is a unique time where you can take advantage of these Mm -hmm. kinds of opportunities and you know, I'm glad to look back and say that I that I tried it out. And similar to studying abroad, which I'm sure has maybe come up on this podcast. But (laughs) it's like those opportunities that only come up during that small window that you're in school with people who are your age, Mm -hmm. typically. And so yeah, it was awesome. Thank
0: you so much for coming here today and talking to us about sororities and your experience. Of and, course. Yeah. yeah, thank
1: you for having me and yeah. I'm glad we could
0: unpack it. <laughs> Great. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to get the transcripts for this episode, you can access them at americanenglishpodcast.com. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.